Welcome to the Reading Aloud Podcast, a place where the creative, emotional, and hilarious aspects of relationship communication are explored in real time by a real couple. That's us. And a baby. (laughs) Enjoy. Welcome, Reading Aloud community, to our series on pandemic partnerships. In this series, we'll have conversations with 10 different couples and singles from across the country to dive deeper into how relationships are handling this ongoing global pandemic as we close out our second full year of COVID being a thing in our lives. We hope this series helps you in your own relationships and partnerships during this heavy time. Thanks for listening to the Reading Aloud Pandemic Partnership Series. And as always, if you have any questions, or feedback for Marisol and Adam, please connect with us on social media at Reading Aloud Podcast. Or our email, readingaloudlove at gmail.com. Enjoy. Welcome to the Reading Aloud Podcast. We are so excited to have a dear friend and just an amazing human here with us today, Miss Kama Wodak. And I am... Huh? Miss. 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 Maybe, maybe we do we is yeah. Anyway. No, I love it. Yeah. And Kama, we're gonna have you introduce yourself to folks, what you do in this world and how you're showing up to this space today. Okay, great. So my name is Kama. I'm my pronouns are she, her. Um, I am currently living outside of Asheville, North Carolina, on the traditional land of the Cherokee Nation. And I have a farm, so that's why it's very important for me to acknowledge what land that I am on. And and I will say this too, I'm a, well, first off, I'm a mother and I have two grown daughters and I'm very, very rooted in Appalachia. I was born and raised in West Virginia, came down here to the mountains of North Carolina in about 1993, and I've, and I've lived here ever since. So it's very much the topography, the flora, the fauna, that's like kind of where I draw, like nature here is where I draw a lot of my my wisdom from, right? And so as a farmer, first and foremost, that leads the work that I do, because I feel like that has informed, like tending living things like plants and animals really has informed the other piece of me, which is tending human beings. Um, And so I'm a human care worker, first and foremost, and that shows up as a doula, right? So I've been attending births since 1999, um, and I'm an educator. So I'm really, really passionate about information and knowledge. I feel like if I was like a like a super sexy brained person, I would could probably passionately teach about anything because I just love I love the vehicle of teaching, but my teaching mostly centers around pregnancy, birth, and the immediate postpartum. I feel like, Kama, you're you're so inspiring. I feel like you're one of these people who has like the 15 different things in their title. You know, they're like Kama educator, mother, doula, you know, wisdom keeper, like all of these things. And I just, I just have so much respect for you. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Yeah. I thought, I thought this was the Marisol and Kama show. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) No, I can just feel it. Like, I feel like color commentary over here. No, I can, I can feel it. You, you have a really sweet, strong connection. And we actually all three have a really sweet, strong connection because Kama was 
so critical in the birth of baby Neo. And we're coming up on a year of his birthday, which is just, or his life. And it's just unbelievable. And my goal tonight is to not cry. Okay. Wow. Why would you have that goal? Why? Because I cry just, in yeah, almost just... every episode and yeah. it's embarrassing. <laughs> All right. This isn't about my baby or my birth. We've already been there and told that story. You're about to break your goal. Stop it. I'm not. No, I zipped up my, I've been zipping up my feelings all week long. I don't have any feelings. (laughs) Not that this is a feeling topic at all. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So we're, you know, we're really excited to have Kema on this series in particular because so Kema is is in partnership, but we don't have her partner here today. And, you know, we want to hear as much as you're willing to share about your partnership. You know, in the year and a half that we've known you, so much has changed. And I have been able, I feel like I've been, um, because of the friendship that we've developed, I've been a witness to this process, but I still have a lot of questions. And I, and I, I think it's an interesting, I think theme of the pandemic has had a strong flavor on a lot of these changes. I mean, you, you tell me, or you tell us like how, how important has it actually been? Is, was it coincidental that these changes or happened? during this time or has it had an actual impact? No, it absolutely was a pivotal player in what shaped my life and probably shaped most of humanity and our decisions and how we are in relationship with people. So it was a huge impact on me. I don't know if that didn't happen. I probably would not be in the place I am today, right? And that's all mixed up in so much grief. So it's a really hard thing to grapple with because so many of us have have grown and changed and moved and shifted. And it's entwined in a story where there's so much loss, you know, for, for collectively as a whole, right? So I'm looking at individual growth within a collective growth period of time which does that make sense? Oh, like, yeah. Um, oh, it, it totally yeah. makes sense. I mean, think like just reflecting on that quickly. And this is part of what we're diving into with this series. And something I'm discovering as we do more and more of these interviews is that everybody is having these massive individual things happen- happening to them. But when they're couched within this global, as, as you kind of named it right there, grief process and pandemic and all of this that we're working through, it just amplifies it. I feel like I totally connect with what you're saying. And, and we've heard that story over and over. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really hard because I think when we have individual growth narratives, if they're in relationship to, you know, what was our normal daily life, it was a, it felt a little bit easier to prioritize it or to be in relationship with it, but it was really hard to do both. It was hard to be in relationship with self and hard to be in relationship with collective I think that's really informing me and where I'm moving within my, you know, activism and my doula work is the the thing that always sits with me is we can't self-care away what's happening. We can't self-care away, you know, the atrocities that happen on black bodies in the United States, right? And we can't self-care away the weathering effect, right, of white supremacy and 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 racism. But it's still important in order for us to move to that collective care. So I'm, I'm kind of grappling with where, where is self-care in relationship to collective community care? Yeah. 
I mean, we are, we are talking to a woman who has done a lot of work and a lot of sitting with being with consideration for not just herself, but for everyone who's involved in, you know, for the world. Right. And, you know, we, we have talked with a couple, we had a great conversation with a couple of meditation teachers who talked about this kind of meta versus the individual experience as well. And so just to kind of think of it for that, it, this we're about to go really big, but as Kama mentioned in the beginning, so if you're a Patreon subscriber and you've seen the video of this as as Kama mentioned in the beginning, we're gonna, what did you say? We're gonna go, we're, we're gonna get some- We're gonna go hard, we're gonna go big. Yeah, we're not gonna we're, but edit concise. anything out. Yeah, big we're going big, concise. we're going big to go small, big oh, and concise. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're gonna be, yeah. In, inch but, wide, yeah. mile deep. Expansive, yeah. very concisely. Expansive. That's right, expansive, concisely, exactly. So yeah. go ahead. Thank you. Yeah, so just asking a question, building up what you were just saying around self-care, individual care, and then what you said, it just kind of brought up a question in your opinion, Kind of what impact did the pandemic have on that narrative around collective and the, the interplay between collective care and self-care? Yeah, I, for me and from my vantage point and perspective, I realized that that was one of the biggest broken links that we have in relationship to growing strong communities as an act of resistance. Okay. So what I realized is that pre-pandemic, we kind of had maybe like a, a hope or a faith that we would, we had a baseline of goodwill, right? And when the pandemic hit, I actually realized we don't have the same baseline for goodwill. Like we don't have a common collective definition of shared health. And maybe I just was like, not I was choosing not to see that, or I was operating from this place of like goodwill and hope. But let me tell you, goodwill only lasts for so long. All of a sudden, when things get hard, goodwill is out the door. And then I realized yep. we had no foundation or under underpinning for collective community care. It was every person for themselves. And if someone thought differently than you about what safety was, what health was, from masking to vaccine, to like isolation, to all that kind of stuff, oh, well. For me, and especially where I live, so I live in a rural area, and there's several different communities that come together here that were in definite conflict of what a shared definition of health is, you know, in regards to keeping all of us safe and thriving. I, I, I mean, I, I'm like, I mean, I think this is the million dollar question for so many of us, because, you know, like you said, we all live with this belief that we're good people wanting to do good things. And I think I'm generalizing there, maybe not everybody feels that way. And there are probably people out there who would say like, I don't give a fuck. You do you, I'll do me. And I'm not intending to take care of anybody, but you know, more people than not, you hear them saying like, no, I care. I care about myself. I care about my family and I care about my community. And then we have people we love, people we're in deep relationship with, people in our community having such different needs and opinions about this common definition. And you know, even after two years, I mean, a lot of love lost, a lot of changes in our lives. And I still don't really know 
you know, I don't want to put it into what's right or what's wrong, but like, I still don't, I'm still not really sure what's, what's what. Yeah. And it's not a binary, right? It's a real messy conversation, but for me, and like kind of sitting into this conversation, I don't know what the linchpin is or what the aha moment or whatever that is for us to all see that like in this moment, me being in relationship with you, that you are an extension of my health. Like whoever I'm in relationship with, like, you know, if we're in relationship with each other, your health and well-being ultimately affects my health and well-being if I choose to be in relationship with you. Mm-hmm. So that reciprocity is what I feel like people feel disconnected from within their personal, so human relationships, like, and maybe you have them to your close group, but then if you go one ring out, that reciprocity starts to get a little thin and you go a little farther out, you know? And so we have to be able to see each other as an extension. Part of that too, is that we weren't raised collectively. Right. So it, it, it takes a level of rewiring because we immediately revert back to our wiring, which is rugged individualism. No matter how much we're like, that's a scam. We're kind of hardwired for it, you know? So it, it, it's going to take a lot of unlearning and and rewiring and it's not a quick fix kind of thing it's not something we can just decide to do yeah what are ways that that you or or are there practices or are there learnings that you've had to really take that self view of health and expand it to a more collective view of of health because i think that's so incredibly wise But I also see that many, especially and in an increasing amount, you know, we've mentioned self-care and of course, self-care is a really positive thing, but that so much of health is kind of around this self-care, taking care of yourself, pampering yourself, you know, and that's so important. But then as we're talking about here, the pandemic forced us to think outside of that. And so I, you seem to have a handle on it. And I think that a lot of people listening would be like, wow, where did she how do you put that into practice? Right. I mean, are there practices? Are there things that you're doing to expand that understanding? Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good question. And so I have to kind of like sit down into my body and how I move through the world and where my fulfillment, when I feel satisfied as like a human, right. And I feel fulfilled. Oftentimes my fulfillment comes from a group right? You know, whoever, like I I can define as, you know, a a collective community around me, closest to me, when we're all thriving and doing well. So that, that has been such a huge driving force for me, because, and I don't know whether that's constitutional, you know, even if I'm doing poorly, if I know people around me are doing okay, I know I can lean on them when I'm not doing so well individually. So it kind of gives me reassurance that I'm build like we're building together. I think about it like this. So one of the metaphors I think about is growing corn. And I grow dry corn on my farm. And if anyone listened to this, or maybe you all, you know, you can't just plant one corn plant. it's not going to do anything. As a farmer, I have to plant so many row feet long, so many row feet wide in order to get pollination. 
right? So I know in order for me to bear fruit as a little corn stalk over here, I need all my people around me. And so I know that that in and of itself is going to help me live to my fullest potential. So I'm actually going to like grow amazing. I'm going to have a full ear of corn over here, plenty of seed for next year because of all of this around me, right? But then the other second thing that I think of when I'm looking at collective community and like going beyond goodwill is that when the storms come and on my high meadow, boy, do they come in muddy. soil. you've been up there. That's where I grow the corn. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the winds come and the storms come and all the corn is out. It's called lodging. So it kind of like falls down and like crosses over each other. And you might go up there and you're like, Oh no, like, <laughs> crap you know the corn's gone like that's our food like in yeah. in reality you know this is corn that i like grind and dry and you know all the kind of thing so but the beautiful thing about corn is that you know if you watch it and with those big anchor roots that it has you know anchored into the ground it slowly rewrites itself so the corn helps each other all the corn stalks are like let's try to stand back up and they like they will rewrite themselves over the day. Now there are ones on the outer edges, like took one for the team. They're never standing up again. But if I take that, what I have learned over all my years of growing dry corn and now apply that to not only my relationship building, but my community building, right? How do we get people to understand that as an individual, you will thrive you will be more productive. You will, you know, be more satisfied with what you're doing in the world. You'll probably create more amazing things for, because we need everybody contributing, right? If we can come together in that collective way. Does that I, think, I think Adam's about to pee his pants with excitement. I can feel your energy, oh. babe. I, I, you, I, do you remember at the beginning when you were like, oh, I'm just going to be sitting over here doing nothing while you two have a ball? Like this is... <laughs> But I mean, but honestly, came out. I mean, this is such an incredible conversation. I I want to take it in a direction, but I also understand that my husband's going to pee his pants with excitement. Well, I I okay. just <laughs> I just think I'll say this, and then you take it yeah. in a different direction. I'll say this on this conversation because I do think it's important. Uh, just to add Don't to the baby, yeah. Just to add to the what what you're saying, and and we're thinking about us as an individual, and then as a community. I I would encourage folks to also see that analogy as an individual could be an individual issue or an individual organization or an individual idea. And that that idea alone has worth and is important and is important to take care of or that organization or that cause is important. But collectively, and we and us moving as one as you're speaking about with it with the the corn analogy, which is so beautiful, is also comes into play right there. And so just to add that to the conversation, I think is really important that we're speaking about ourselves and our communities as individual and collective. And then you can expand that out to so many different other realms that interact, we interact with in our daily lives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And can I just piggyback before we switch gears? Because I am really curious if we really need to redefine what selfish means. Mm -hmm. Because I feel selfish. I feel selfish because I'm centering myself, right? Because I know that I'm going to heal and I'm going to be better when I center collective community care, right? 
And so that's where I think people think that they're going to lose themselves or they won't feel seen or they won't feel valued. You know what I mean? Because we have that primal need to feel seen. And so, and I just want to, for anyone listening, you will, you will be more seen. You will be more, you know, your needs will be more met when we can all come together and, and center a collective whole rather than individual selves. Thank you, Neo. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Did you know that the Reading Aloud podcast has a Patreon account? That's right. When you support this podcast through Patreon, you become a part of our Reading Aloud family, and we love our family members. At its core, this podcast is about providing insight and conversations that will support and inspire our listeners to deepen their relationships and build community through conversation. Every week, we receive meaningful feedback on how the Reading Aloud podcast has supported someone through a challenging time, and now we need your support to keep that going. Your Patreon commitment not only provides you with curated, fun, and interactive bonus content, it helps us cover the many costs of producing a podcast. Check out our Patreon link in the show notes and see which level you can commit to. And know that we thank you so much for both your listening support as well as your financial support. Now let's get back to today's conversation. imagine what our world could be if we could in fact create a collective experience or a collective understanding or just a, just love right like a collective love that is the belief that i hold and that's the belief that adam and i talk about and that's what i think we're sharing here today is just like the magnet beyond our wildest imaginations okay because we're just we just our our brains get in the way and we're faulted. I was curious, you know, when you talked about the, um, corn's roots, you know, we here on the reading loud podcast, Adam and I talk all the time around how do we weather our storms of our relationship? And Adam, you know, will regularly say it's about the foundation. It's about, I mean, we did a great podcast relationship roller coaster podcast and where mm -hmm. he used a, where he referenced like sports teams that have Win, winning years and not so winning years and why they, which ones make it through. And it's like the ones with the deep culture and foundation. So I wanted to ask you specifically came like just about your life. Like, do, could you see clearly where there were roots and where there were not so many roots? Yeah. So when I think of roots, there's a few different things that came up for me. First off, of course, is our ancestral lines, which, you know, I just recently did a little bit of a deep dive. I think what's important when people are kind of like starting to go back and be like, okay, where's my grounding? It's really is important to go back and what was your ancestors grounding and what was, you know, and how did they ground down in, in root into humanity? And I had a sexy side of my family loved their ancestor lineage story, you know, really resonated with me, the immigrant coal miner, West Virginia, you know, like the whole nine years. And then I got my non-sexy side of my family, right. That I pretend like I didn't know I had. Um, and those were my slave owning plantation owning fought on the 
in the Civil War, of course, for the Confederate Army. They were Confederate generals. And so I think it's really important to be able to touch both. If you're going to look at your roots, start there. You know, from there, most of us were underparented. Some need was not met. And that was really big for me. So I was out of my house by the time I was 15 years old. Door shut in my face. Mother said, don't ever step into this house again. And I never did. I walked away in the snow, went to a friend's house and from there couch surfed and ended up down here in North Carolina. So my roots at home, my father died when I was 12. I didn't really have a good representation of what family was. I had to like, you know, figure out, well, that didn't work then, you know, how, how can I rebuild? So, so most of my roots came from my children, bless them, bless them for right. Any child, anyone out there who has children, I don't know what your relationship with your children are, but let me tell you, they are your, your teachers, right? Yeah. So I felt really blessed that I had children that I was able to grow with. I had no idea what the hell I was doing parenting. I had no relationship. I had no model of healthy relationships growing up. And so my children, uh, you know, with me doing the good work and my children growing with me, I was able to create those roots, you know, and, and create a foundation that I felt like I could see where like, oh, that doesn't work. Cause we all practice on our kids. Like if you have children, it's okay. Can we just name that right now? Because a yep. lot of people are in deep relationships with their children. So it's practice. So who do we practice with and who is, you know, how do we create safe containers for practicing being in relationship without it, like completely disintegrating, blowing up, you know, causing so much trauma. I felt like I had that agreement with my children like, I felt like I set that up and was like, Hey, I'm, I'm practicing. I didn't, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And that was really good to have that. Does that make sense? Am I babbling? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Also, does that make sense? Is like one of those woman things. Cause remember when you told yeah. me to, that you were going to stop saying just, I have quit <laughs> saying just, I have, I caught myself today putting yeah the word fucking just in an email. And I was like, Kama says no just, and I took it out. And it makes the email so much stronger. So if you're all listening, how many times a day do you say just, just is a minimizer. So I just need a minute or um, so is, so is, does that make sense? That's one I just, that's one that just brought, got brought to my attention too. Does that make sense? Yes. It fucking makes sense. You make sense. Thank you. You know, I think what's been so incredible and, and first off too, like when you say, when people say like, oh, like your title and you have like all these things that you do. And like, I've had all these experiences. I just want to remind people that I'm old. Like, I, I, you know what I mean? Like, I, and I'm not like old, old, but you know, like you've been here for 49 years, you're going to have some experiences. Right. So, so I just want to say that. So, and when I started, like what I felt like was like my work in the world, um, it was grind culture. It was all about grind culture. So I just want to say that, you know, so many narratives have changed. And I think one of the biggest narratives that has changed in, especially in the past four ish years you started to get a hint of it pre-pandemic is is the rest culture right the nap ministry like this whole thing of like no and that was really huge for me I so I was able to like 
in a way that feels very privileged, but I was able to like break that, put that cog in the wheel, you know, and grind the gears to a halt. And I was able to make some really good decisions that actually found myself feeling more available to do the work that I wanted to do within collective community care. So for that, it was great. Financially, it was hard as fuck. Right. So I have this spiritual experience happening where I'm like, yeah, this is great. And then on the other side, you know, it was, it was probably one of the most anxious, anxiety-ridden times of my life. My whole relationship to work has changed. But simultaneously, most of my work too is in relationship to people. So if you ask me how my relationship to work changed, it immediately leans over to how did my relationship with people change? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm, 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 I'm interested about that part. Yeah. It accelerated. It kind of like, gosh, how do I want to put this? Um, it, it kind of took the clothes off, right? I'm going to run with this metaphor for a minute where, you know, like I feel I can like put certain clothes on my body. And I feel real good. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I look good. So I had friendships that had clothes on and they looked real good, right? Like we would go out, right? That was the interaction and, and, it, and it felt real good. But when the pandemic hit, I, we, weren't, well, I, we weren't wearing these clothes anymore, mm-hmm. right? So all of a sudden I, we were in sweatpants and, you know, we we're going around with no bras and so like that. And all of a sudden, like with my relationships, it kind of changed the way they presented themselves. And I was able to see through kind of that. And I was like, Oh, actually this, this relationship isn't healthy or, you know what I mean? And so it accelerated that where I might've stayed in those relationships longer. Yeah. In general, right. We're, we're always growing and evolving. And if we're, if we choose to be awake in this world, like, and, and, and that's just an intention. It doesn't mean that we're always awake. It just means like, I'm setting the intention to try to be awake to what is present right in front of me. We do, we grow and we evolve and eventually some of these things come to light. But I agree with you. I think the pandemic not only accelerated it, it cut through so deeply that we probably could have lasted another couple lifetimes in this, in these ways. You know, we were really just forced to have to look at things differently. And on top of financial stress, epiphanies, because spiritual awakenings are not always easy. I mean, I'll never forget. And, and, you know, I, I, I feel so lucky to be on the inside, have been, been a witness to some of your processes. And there's so much more that I don't even know, but you know, certain parts of it I've been able to hear about. And, you know, I mean, you did an incredible, some incredible deep diving. And I know that there's the grief was lifted to the surface. Yeah. I actually think it's, it was one of the great teachings and lessons, and in my opinion, benefits of the pandemic, that it forced us to prioritize relationships that were really tender and nurturing. Yeah, nurturing and really providing me energy and and not sucking my energy out, recognizing that it was more important than ever to have those kind of relationships in my life. And I think that situation that you described came of like, all of a sudden, it's like the emperor has no clothes. It's like the relationship has no clothes. Yeah. You, you recognized, oh, wow, I, I have all these built on unsturdy foundations or foundations of that. Well, are the, corn, unhealthy. The, root, the roots, yeah. I mean, I really, I feel like, you know, the roots of the corn were shallow. Yeah. And I think for me personally, it, 
being liked is overrated, right? So being liked is a scam. Mm -hmm. And when we operate like and go through the world in relationships to meet a need that wasn't met in our childhood, that's just not going to work. That's what I figured out, you know? So there was a little girl that really wanted to be liked growing up. And that little girl was still looking for that, you know, even as a 49 year old in these relationships, I would put up with so much just so people would like me. Mm-hmm. I was like, but don't you don't what, what what's there not to like about me? Like, look at all these things. And, you know, I went through a really, really bad friendship breakup. And I just want to acknowledge that we don't have enough verbiage in the English language to encapsulate grief or love or like these big things, because the It was grief and I've gone through a divorce. I have buried both of my parents, right? Like I have lived through so much grief and death and loss and I had not felt that. Mm. It's different. It's different than losing a pet. It's just, and there's not a lot out there about it, Mm -hmm. right? We don't talk about, you know. Loss of relationship grief. Yeah. Yeah. Specifically with a friendship. I mean. I really think that this is so important because it really, you know, when you leave the nest there that you start to hear these terms of chosen family, right? Like this is my chosen family. The friends that we choose to keep in our lives are there by choice. And that is so that's, that's a unique experience. Like I choose you to know some of my most intimate secrets and my most deepest feelings. And I do, I choose you because you hold me in ways that not everybody does. And while blood family has a very special and deep you know, um, purpose as well. This is specifically about being seen, getting our needs met. Like we're choosing to stand side by side in this wild and wacky world and to lose that, to have something feel so deep and intimate and that you've chosen and to lose that is so devastating. Also for each one of us, our own attachment and our attachment wounds come up. And that for those who understand where they are in, in attachment and attachment wounding, it's like, it, it is like dying, it, but it's like a part of you dying. It's not at, which is really painful. It's like, it, it's really painful. So I, I definitely hear that. Yeah. And you know, I think hearing you talk about like that chosen family and our blood family, there's something that happens in our nervous systems when the people that we trust, like in the people that are supposed to be our caretakers, so our parental figures, when it, they're harming, right? Because our nurturers, our parental figures, that just goes against the grain of how we're wired, right? And so it messes up our nervous system. So then we're kind of a little like dysregulated. And so then we have, we creating close friendships here. Now we have this chosen family and they're going to, you know, meet some of those needs that, you know, the parental, like feeling seen and valued and loved and all the kinds of things. And when that does it, it kind of re-triggers those old wounds because again, it's going against the nervous system, but wait, 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 you were my chosen family. Like we're cool. Like we work shit out. You know, and then when that doesn't happen and you're like, oh, fuck, we're, we're not going to work this out. Yeah. And for me, it's like when the times I've gone through and, and lost a friendship with somebody who, as we're naming it here, chosen family, it's extra vulnerable for me. Because I feel a little bit more personally responsible for that. 
yeah. because it was like my decision, right? I, I didn't choose my parents or my siblings or my aunts and uncles. They're yeah. just there. But when I lose a friendship that I had kind of chosen, invested in, put effort in, it's that keeps me up at night and, and it really hits on my self-confidence. I'm like, yeah. oh, wow, I or feel like I wasted time. Is this, it, there's another level of vulnerability, I think I'm trying to say there, that doesn't exist for me personally with family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you, do you have a sense yet? Because we're, you know, transformation is not linear. Grief is not linear. Yeah. None of this is linear. But do you have a sense yet that you're better, better off? You know, because you had mentioned being liked is so overrated. And I, just as a side note, want to say a lot of your writing that you've done in the last couple of years, Kema, it has been really powerful in the sense that it's been bold and forthright and held strong opinions and also just completely covered in love. Like there, it's like you've, you've struck this balance of being really firm and clear mm -hmm. while also being really compassionate to self and others, you know, but I imagine you get a lot of pushback. I think I've maybe even seen some of that pushback, but there's people out there who aren't willing to do even that, even if they agree with you, they might reject you because you're, you know, it's like the, you know, we're all just trying to quote unquote survive at this very primitive level. And the person standing out or the person on the edge of the cornfield, it's like the corn on the edge of the cornfield, taking one for the team. And I've seen you do that. So I'm curious, you know, are you at a place where you feel like, oh yeah, this, this is all happening for the right reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a few things that I'm hearing wrapped up, you know, there's no, I've arrived and it's not a process. It's a practice. So I'm going to constantly be in relationship to this work. So do I feel better off like any grief process some days? So it's a practice. So some days I feel good and, you know, and some days it still hurts. Like, and that's going to be my forever story. It'll forever be my story. Some days I feel okay with what happened with me and my mom and other days it hurts. Right. And how long ago was that? Like 30 years. So it's like, it's always going to, always going to be there. I think that's important with any relationship. You don't get over relationships. We use that terminology a lot. We grow through them, right? But, and, and we might leave them somewhere along the path, right? We're not carrying that relationship with us as heavy, but we're always going to be touching back to it, you know, because it shaped us in some way. We wouldn't be who we are in this moment right now, if it wasn't for every person that touched you mm -hmm. on your way here we're always holding not just this or that, but, but all of it. And I really hope that people are hearing the beauty of that possibility of that, that it's possible mm -hmm. to, to have, to experience all of it. Cause I, it takes a lot. It takes yeah. a lot. Yeah. You know, and to bring it back, I, the second part that you had asked is like, how, how do you cultivate the courage to put yourself out there? Your writing is bold. You're, you're speaking against the grain, you know, and things like that. And, and I'm going to circle that back. I can do that for the risk of not being liked because I have 
built a really strong community around me that's going to hold me when those people come in and they try to blow me down. I'm planted within all this corn, right? Right. I'm not out there by myself. That makes it hard because if one of your corn is like, actually, JK, I'm not really your corn. I'm not really holding you up, you know, and they like uproot themselves and they go somewhere else. I, I feel I, that's big, you know, that's, that's part of my team that was holding me up every day. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that they're doing anything. That's, I think, really important too. people feel like, oh, all these people No, just being, it's just being in relationship rather than doing anything specific. Um, one text is plenty for me. Mm-hmm. Just be like, hey, thinking about you, sending you some love, like those, you know, and that's all we need to know that we've got each other. Thank you, Neo. Yeah. Hey, hey. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Reading Aloud podcast. If you're interested in learning more or inquiring about working directly with Marisol's fashion therapy or Adam's modern man training, you can totally do that. You can find Marisol at soulreflection.com. That's S-O-L reflection.com or follow her on social media at soul reflection. You can email Adam directly at Adam at modern dash man.org. We hope to hear from you. Now let's get back to today's conversation. As we're kind of rounding this out and, and, and bringing a lot of these analogies together of building that foundation, which enables you to have strength to be vulnerable out in the world and the selfish to that it's not actually selfish to to you know create a situation that holds you up because it's all mutually beneficial yeah i have seen in my work and i find this actually especially true with men and triply especially true with straight white men that we have zero skills in knowing how to build community. Like Mm. all that sounds great. And I think the pandemic for a lot of those more privileged class classes really, really exposed the shallowness um, Mm. because it it was resting on the laurels of where they sat within society. It was very easy to have a broad base. And so the building deep community aspect, we haven't actually developed and, and worked with many, many types of folks out there to think about how we actually build those basic skills. And then right there at the end, you said it, you said just a little text or just a little bit. And for me personally, that embodies what it really comes down to, which is just communication, which is often why we got inspired to do this podcast, just to model. It's hundred percent sure you're going to say why we fight. <laughs> well, that too, but like why we fight on the podcast, because we're modeling conversation and communication. And it's so simple thinking about the person that you love, picking up your phone, sending a text to them, a little heart, a little heart to them. No, that's it. That's it. That builds the community that builds the, 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 just all you're doing is throwing a golden thread out there into the universe, an energetic body. You just throwing it right out there to them. You know, sometimes I think about it as a plug. I got some extra energy today. I'm going to imagine I got this retractable cord and energetically, I'm just going to pull, I'm going to plug into you today. That's it. 
Right. And at the end of the day, I'll energetically unplug. And that's how I send love. You know, I love it. Channing Nicholas has this great visualization. I think maybe I shared this with you, Muddy Soul. Someone crosses my mind. I'm like, oh, you know how the people just, they cross your me like, oh, I'm thinking about this person. I stop and I visualize showering them with rose petals. Mm. That's it. Right. And then I move on. Like, I felt like I gave that person the energy that they needed. They crossed my mind. If it goes a little farther, like, oh, I'm going to shoot them a little text. You crossed my mind thinking about you and moving on. Mm-hmm. And we're conditioned to try to think that that's not worth it, that that's all energy out, that that's not, you know, that's not beneficial to you, that that's not help advancing or yourself or yeah. efficient or effective or whatever. But what I oh. hope that the pandemic opened up for people is an understanding that those kind of things, the return that you get is 10 times that million times, whatever times amount you want to think is a lot back to you in, in, in community, love, support, connection, which hopefully people have a deeper understanding now that we've been through these two plus years of increased disconnection and and an inability to connect at least in person uh, because of the pandemic. Yeah. Thanks, babe. I think the one last thing I would say to land it is, you know, these topics are big. The concepts are big. The growth is big. The world is big, right? Life is big. And I think to try to remember to shrink it down to the power of the tiny change or the tiny adjustment, right? And that that is more impactful than any like large sweeping, you know, movements that we do in the world, right? So if anyone's listening to this and you're thinking about collective community care, you're thinking about building relationships, right? And that your relationships are transformational, not transactional, like we have transactions at a bank, right? So you're thinking about it on those lines. You don't have to get overwhelmed. You don't even need to read a bunch of books about it. This is where people want to study it forever instead of just doing the work. So send the text, right? Like shower the person with rose petals. Like that is the first tiny step into, you know, creating a shared definition of health. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks y'all. All right. We love you so much. Love you. Sleep tight. Bye. All right. Bye. Thanks y'all for listening and participating. We always have a great time with you. And if you enjoy the podcast, please go online and rate, review, share this with your friends. This is the way that we build this community. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.